1: show we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of formula one which this week are stroll's remarkable recovery revealed frustration at mercedes and russell already looking to 2024 will lando have to look elsewhere alonso in dreamland for now and a new qualifying format for emla which the drivers aren't sold on Welcome to News from the Nerds, a midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at FormulaNerds.com. I'm your host, James McKenzie, and today I have, well, just Abby with me, actually. But that's fine by me. She's clearly the best of us all anyway. How are things, Abby? (laughs)
0: um they're very well thank you it's a bit weird just having two of us but i'm sure it'll be a good show how are you yourself james
1: yeah i'm good uh and yeah I'm, I'm sure it'll be great i've not done this i know you've done this a couple of times before but uh yeah i think we know each other well enough to carry a show with just the two of us and yeah i can just leave you to do a reading of your poetry if we run out of stuff to talk about <laughs> But that seems unlikely because, of course, F1 returned with the Bahrain Grand Prix at the weekend. Obviously, we spoke about the Grand Prix itself in great depth during our race review podcast at the weekend. So I highly recommend going and listening to that. In my opinion, it was maybe more entertaining than the race itself. Because we'll do our best to avoid treading over old ground. Now, a quick latest news roundup before we get into the main stories... Firstly, today is International Women's Day, at least the day of recording is, this may end up having to go out tomorrow, but nonetheless, a happy International Women's Day to all our female listeners, all the wonderful women in the nerds team, of which there are many, of course, including Abby. Happy International Women's Day to you. you. And all the other equally wonderful women in the world of motorsports. And on that note, Abby, I think I've segued you into our next point to address at Carlin.
0: Yes, you segued very nicely. So obviously the F1 Academy is starting next month and Rodin and Carlin, one of the teams competing in it, have officially confirmed all three drivers. They announced Megan Jilkes. I believe that's how you say her name. I'm not entirely sure. But she is the third and final driver joining Jessica Edgar and Abby Pulling for Carlin. And she is not only a racing driver, she's also a trackside support engineer for Aston Martin. So she is very knowledgeable, very talented, and I'm excited to see her. On the grids for F1 Academy,
1: yeah, me too, absolutely. And the only other quick point of note, uh, I believe Silverstone are releasing more tickets for the Grand Prix.
0: Yes, I believe they are. Which it's a very popular race. Obviously, there's a lot of British drivers on the grid with Lando, Lewis, Russell. But I'm sure. I think Silverstone wanted four days across the whole Grand Prix weekend. So no wonder they're increasing their tickets.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a bit of a shambles first time round, wasn't it? But yeah, well, we'll see what happens this time. Fingers crossed it all goes smoothly. But now onto the big stuff. Plenty of talking points in the aftermath of that Grand Prix, naturally, but perhaps the pick of the bunch, Lance Stroll's incredible recovery. Now, after all the rumours, the Canadian has now revealed exactly what he went through in making it back for the season opener. He crashed his bike during training in Spain. That left him with a right wrist fracture and displacement, a left wrist fracture, left hand partial fracture, and a fracture on the big toe of his right foot. Now, what were his prospects, Abby?
0: Well, they weren't looking that great. His own personal medical team thought that he would not only miss testing, which he did, but also miss the first few races. But as we all know, he managed to make it to Bahrain. He had rehab, he had surgery on his right wrist, I believe, but the other injuries that he had couldn't be fixed by surgery. So I'm very surprised that he actually managed to get in the car, get into Q3 and finish inside the top 10, because having all those injuries, it sounds really painful, and knowing the force of a Formula One car when you're driving, he did really well to perform this well this weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they did say that they they dialed up the the power steering to help him, but nonetheless, I mean, we we saw you know people were saying, is he going to be able to race because he was getting helped help out of the car, and obviously he was having to turn the wheel by kind of pushing it up from the bottom rather than saying it as you normally would kind of a la Robert Kubica when he came back in of course Kubica made it through an entire season but nonetheless very impressive stuff just how impressed were you like now that you know the full extent of what he's been through
0: very impressed I, I I can't imagine what it would have been like I mean we saw him over the radio his team were like no you need to do this to get through on the line better into a corner and he was like physically can't do that because of my hands yeah. and with the national anthem you could see him in pain with his hands and like you said being helped out of the car and when that happened I for sure thought Aston Martin were going to go let's put Dragovic in the car because it's too dangerous for stroll but having him in the car was obviously the right choice and he did amazingly like massive respect to him for performing that well with those injuries yeah
1: I kind of feel bad for not choosing him as my driver of the day, to be honest. <laughs> now, I, now I know all of the, the truth behind it. But uh, we also have a bit of an exclusive. Uh, some of you may have heard we had Manish Pandey on the Cut to the Race podcast not that long ago. The uh, wonderful filmmaker who made the Senna documentary, amongst others. He's also an ex-orthopedic surgeon. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, we had a chat with him about Stroll. Uh, he said... It's the kind of fracture you immobilise for four weeks, then spend two weeks mobilising and building up the strengths. Theoretically, if you have fixed it and mobilised early, you don't get muscle wasting and stiffness, but the fracture hasn't healed, so you get pain and potential instability. Worse, if he hit a bang, he could lose the position and the fracture could slip. It would need resetting. I can't imagine what they gave him for pain. Well, I can. I am astonished. So even an ex-orthopaedic surgeon, blown away by what Lance Troll has achieved. I just,
0: wow like speechless at how he managed to do that because i think he had surgery like 12 days before the race which sounds quite a while but it's really not it's incredible if you've ever
1: had surgery like that you'll know it's you're definitely not up for not up for driving a normal car normally let alone an f1 car but moving on from Stroll to the man who finished just behind him on the road george russell has seemingly written off 2023 already
0: Yes, he has. So obviously, a lot of people were thinking Mercedes would take a massive step forward this year, myself included. But the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend wasn't quite what the Silver Arrows had hoped. Lewis finished P5 and George finished P7. And now George Russell has come out saying he's ready to take a hit this season. He said, we're here to win. We obviously want to optimize every single result. But if you give me a choice between fighting and having a chance to win races, whenever that is, versus slow progress and never having that chance, you obviously choose one of taking those victories. And now Russell has said that he is willing to sacrifice some races or a part of this season in the hope that Mercedes can then develop their car for future seasons where they can become that championship winning team again. And we saw over the weekend, Toto saying the W14 won't be that competitive this season. They're already looking at another concept for the car. And at the moment, it all seems up in the air as to which direction Mercedes are going to go. They're not where they want to be. And they're hoping to move forward. I know they have upgrades coming in Imola with James Allison, who is returning to the team after leaving in 2021. So hopefully he can give them a bit of a boost and make some positive move forwards. But for Mercedes, it looks like 2023
1: won't be that great a year. Yeah, you got to feel for George. You know, he, he waited and waited. And of course, this has been addressed last year, finally got into the Mercedes, and it was okay, it's still a lot better than a Williams, and he could manage to get that maiden win last year, but it's not what he thought he'd be stepping up to. And now, seemingly this year, they've actually slipped back even further. It's, yeah, it must be tough. Although the difference being he's got time on his side. He can afford to wait one or two seasons having joined them. Where for Lewis, it's time is of the essence. I mean, aside from wanting to bury the hatchet and, you know, put that stuff behind him with 2021 and get that eighth title, whether or not he would leave after he got it, only he knows. Um, But yeah, he certainly needs it to happen sooner rather than later, just because, you know, I mean... Alonso showing what you can do uh, in your 40s, but I don't think Lewis, I mean, Lewis previously said he didn't see himself still being in the sport at 40. Uh, Now it looks like he's maybe just going to just start out his 40s in the sport. We'll we'll have to wait and see, but... And yeah, he seems a little frustrated after Bahrain. Um, He was, I mean, he he seemed to have enjoyed himself, his battle with Alonso particularly. He looked in good spirits after the race, but he said that Mercedes haven't listened to him. And the exact quote was, I've driven so many cars in my life, so I know what a car needs. I know what a car doesn't need. And I think it's really about accountability. It's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? We didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be. And we've got to work. We've just got to look into the balance through the corners, Look at all the weak points and just huddle up as a team. That's what we do. We're still multi-world champions, you know. It's just they haven't got it right this time. Now, Lewis did say after the race, I believe in all of you. I, I think I heard on his team radio. And he is always a team player, but you can understand why he's so frustrated right now.
0: Yeah, you definitely can, obviously. For them, I think Abu Dhabi 2021 is still hanging over their shoulders a bit. They have reduced the poor poisoning for this season, which was a massive issue, particularly for Lewis last year, whether that was his age and he wasn't used to having that problem. But you can see, because like you said, George has time on his side. He is relatively new to the sport. It's his second year with Mercedes. For Lewis, it's his 10th season with them. And he is getting older. He does want that eighth title. And he said he'll still race in F1 to get that eighth. But with the way things are going... I think he said that he did tell them issues that they that the car had last year. And like you said, they didn't listen. So it is frustrating for him. I think they do need to regroup all sit down together and figure it out. Russell has said that they do have a lack of downforce, but he believes that's one of the easiest problems that they can fix. But I just think there's something integral missing for Mercedes, I feel. And if they can figure out what is missing and the main issue that's wrong then they can start making moves forward and hopefully either towards the end of this season, next season, because then Lewis will actually be able to finish his F1 career on a high.
1: I I mean, I certainly hope that. Uh, Obviously, I'm a little biased. uh, We're openly Lewis fans, the both of us, but it does feel like it would be a fitting end to his career and not you don't want to see it just fizzle out, um, particularly after yeah what happened. But it, it sounds like Lewis is determined. I mean, as you'd expect, he, he's a seven-time world champion for a reason. Uh, and he's not giving up. He said, I've had many cars like this, particularly back in the McLaren days. I don't know when or how we're going to turn it around, but it's going to have to happen. They didn't get it right last year, but that doesn't mean we can't get it right moving forwards. So not giving up as you'd expect.
0: Exactly. It is nice to see that optimism and that positivity from him because hopefully that will infect the rest of the team and everyone working within Mercedes and they can all put their brains together and figure it out because it would be nice to see them battle with Red Bull at the front of the field because yeah, having Red Bull just dominate, thing. it's it's predictable.
1: It looks and momentarily like we were going to have that four-way battle. I mean, you know, with a pinch of salt, but in qualifying... Aston involved as well, and obviously Ferrari up there. And then the race was just such a different story. And it would be amazing if we had a 2012-like season with four different teams battling and, you know, different, different cars having stronger races. But I don't know. I'm a bit worried. It's just going to be all Red Bull this year. Hopefully, for the sake of the sport, we can get some more competition.
0: Hopefully. We can hope and pray.
1: I will be praying.
0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: But from a tale of two disillusioned Brits to another, Lewis is perhaps unlikely to move on now towards the end of his career. But Lando Norris has many years ahead of him. And, well, we all saw how much McLaren struggled in buying.
0: Yes, McLaren had a very poor season opener, obviously. Piastri retired from the race, and Lando had to pit six times, I think, nearly every 10 laps because he suffered a pneumatic pressure leak in the power unit. And after the race, he did seem more optimistic than I was anticipating, and he is signed with a four-year contract with McLaren. However, Karun Chandok of Sky Sports believes that Norris could potentially be looking elsewhere. Karun said on the new Sky Sports F1 podcast. He said, I tell you who will be thinking about a move to Ferrari or Red Bull, though, Lando Norris. He said, I do wonder, and if they're smart, they would have created some sort of exit clause, McLaren for Lando, because obviously Ricardo was with them, but he's now left. And with all the issues that McLaren have, they have zero points, and in the championship standings, they're now 10th, which, considering they were battling for fourth in the championship with Alpine last year, is a massive step backwards. And I remember Jensen Button saying earlier this year that he was surprised Lando signed for so long with McLaren because they're not giving him a championship-winning car. And it does make you wonder, with McLaren having gone backwards and having these issues and that lack of performance, whether Lando will look and go, this isn't the right team for me. I need to go to Ferrari or Red Bull and get a change of scenery because he's been with McLaren for his whole F1 career.
1: Yeah, I mean, on on that Jensen quote, I think I think it certainly made sense for someone still very young to get that security uh, in the sport. We've seen how quickly it can turn around for someone like Alex, who came into the sport with Lando. You know, quickly propelled up to Red Bull, and then it looked like out of the sport. Obviously, he's he's got his way back in. But so this way, even if you know that things hadn't gone as well as they have for Lando. Worst case scenario, if he gets kicked out the sport, he gets a nice big payoff um, as we've seen Daniel now receive. And yeah, I don't think there's any downside to it because if you prove yourself as he has and if Red Bull really do fancy him, it's not like they're not going to pay off the rest of his contract. That doesn't come under the budget cap. So that's not an issue. Red Bull have got money to burn. If they want Lando, they will get Lando. Uh, And I think that seems like the more likely destination now. Ferrari, pretty settled, I think. Uh, you know, Carlos and Charles. Carlos is maybe a you know a couple of tenths behind, but he's a, a very solid number two driver, and there's a very solid relationship there. Whereas, I mean, what do you think would happen if Lando came in to Red Bull and had to battle it out with Max?
0: I think it would be very interesting. I mean, I am a massive McLaren fan. I'm not that big a fan of Red Bull, so I wouldn't like seeing Lando go to Red Bull, but. I think it could be good for his career. Obviously, Red Bull are very dominant. But having Max against Lando, I feel like that would be very entertaining. They're both they're both young. Max is a two-time world champion. People believe Lando is a future world champion. I just think it would be a lot better to watch and cleaner racing than Verstappen mm-hmm. against another Brit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it... I don't know. For me, McLaren, it feels like they have too many eggs in too many different baskets. I think I said this on the Race Review podcast. They're trying to do lots of different championships and they have two young drivers. And I feel like they need someone older with more experience in the sport to help develop that car. Because yes, Piastri was with Alpine, but this is his first year in F1. And having the two of them I don't know. I feel like Haas have made the right decision, going for two experienced drivers to develop the car. Mm. So hopefully McLaren can do something. They have upgrades coming in Baku, which is in a couple of races time. So we'll have to see how they work and whether McLaren will actually move up the order and be able to battle for sixth or fifth and then not 10th.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be make or break ready for the season. And yeah, I mean, maybe in terms of Lando making his decision. You said that they were battling for fourth last year. They were battling for third the year before with Ferrari. So it's it's like they're going in the wrong direction, definitely. Um but yeah, as for, for Lando and Max, I think, yeah, it could be. It gives me kind of Lewis Nico vibes in like, you know, they kind of, they're really good mates and they, you know, they do their racing together and stuff like that. Like, I think, but obviously if they were in a dominant Red Bull, next year say they're still dominant which isn't totally unlikely i think it could get very tasty Uh, i think it would be great for the sport because if red bull do retain this dominance like Checo occasionally will match max on a, a weekend but i think realistically we all know that max will have him covered um but yes we'll have to wait and see on all of that uh but talking of clean racing Uh, which we hope we would get. Someone who pulled off some great clean overtakes is Fernando Alonso and he is in dreamland for now. Uh, But will it last, Abby?
0: Well, he believes that it could, but he's not getting his hopes up. So obviously... The team impressed in pre-season testing. And like I said, he got another podium this weekend, his 99th career podium. He battled with the Mercedes. He was catching up to both the Red Bulls towards the end. But Alonso has now said, I have the same feeling from testing. Like, it is too good to be true. You're always expecting that you'll get a step back and you'll get back to reality. But it seems real, the performance. So whilst they have had a strong start to the season, Alonso is wary that Aston Martin can't get their hopes up too high because they need to be prepared to go back to reality if things don't work out in Jeddah and Melbourne. But Alonso did say that if the next couple of races, if they get some good results, then he believes that 2023 will be a very strong season for the team. And I just have to say, it is so good to see Aston Martin back up near the top because in 2022, they didn't have a good start to the season. And then they started getting some better results in the second half. And now they're just, they're second in the championship already. I mean, I know it's only one race, but it is very impressive to see and to have Alonso back on the podium as well.
1: Yeah, it's great, and I think it, it spells for some some great battles between. I mean, yeah, uh, the mixture maybe not the Red Bulls as we've said, but I mean, Lewis and Alonso is always box office. They're, those two can can race, and it's very rarely dull, but it's very rarely unfair as well. Uh, they're very good at pushing to the limit. Um, yeah, I mean, Fernando, it's he's like it's like he's got PTSD. It's gone. Every career choice for him has gone wrong every time since what Ferrari in the last ten years. Every time he's moved. He's left behind a team that's immediately improved to go to one that's fallen backwards. So I'm not surprised that he's pinching himself to see if this really is not a dream. Uh, but it, it seems like it's, it's legitimate. Yeah, as you say, if they can keep up in a top, you know, top three of the teams, t- top four, certainly in the mix for podiums and such over those two races, then they are, they are good for the season. Barring, we've seen it can be, a little misleading sometimes, it's quite a specific track, uh, and it's yeah, very hard on tyres and such, but, I think we'll know soon, and, I hope that they are, still up there in the mix.
0: So do I, because, I remember when, the news came out last summer, of Alonso signing to Aston Martin, I was like, why the hell have you done that? You're with Alpine, you're battling yeah, with McLaren. And, and, it was a shock, but now I can see why. I mean, I feel sorry for Vettel, who retired just as the team started improving.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually going to say this on the race review, and I, I think it slipped my mind whenever we were talking about Aston. But yeah, I mean, Seb, a, a penny for his thoughts now. Like, clearly there was more than just the fact that he wasn't at the front. That was, you know, his contributing factors to what to the decision he made. Uh, you know, his, his passions outside the sport, obviously contradicting his place within it and yeah I mean spending more time with his family and whatever else but yeah it's got to be tough watching them because I'm sure he watched that Grand Prix I think he said he would be watching the the opening Grand Prix of course so to see the car you've just vacated fighting to a podium spot it's got to be a little you know a little bit tough
0: yeah but I'm sure he's happy for Alonso, happy for the team. But yeah, a bit bittersweet for Vettel, I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely happy for the team. He and Fernando, I think, have had their ups and downs over the years. But I'm sure, you know, that's all in the past and he is happy for him too. Um, But yes, finally this week, moving on to the new qualifying format. And uh, yeah, it's not gone down that well. Uh, It hasn't obviously happened yet. We've seen few changes to the format uh, of qualifying in recent years. There was obviously the the famous 2016, I think it was, uh, experiment that lasted all of what, two or three races with the knockout system. And generally that's been their, their way of going about qualifying is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But they've now decided to mess with the format a bit. So each car will now have 11 sets of slick tyres for the weekend. This is an imola as a trial, uh, which is one fewer than usual. That's to cut cost and waste. It will be three sets of hards, four of the mediums and four of the softs. So Q1 will be mandatory hard tyres for everyone, and then mediums in Q2 and the softs in Q3. Only caveat, if it's a wet qualifying, you can use whatever you want. Now, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm trying to keep an open mind, but I am sceptical, uh, as are the other drivers, Abby.
0: Yeah, but it hasn't gone down very well, especially with the top three of qualifying for the Bahrain Grand Prix. So Leclerc has said, I don't feel there was a need for change for that, but let's try and see. So he has more of an open mind. But Perez and Verstappen believe that this new format is just for show. Perez said, I just think it's for show. I think we don't need that. When you see the qualifying we had today, how close everything was, you don't really need to change anything. And Verstappen Verstappen echoes that, saying he doesn't really see the benefit of it, and he believes it's better if we make sure that all the cars are close to each other and more competitive instead of trying to change up the tyre format with it. And qualifying was very close in Bahrain. We did see that. But with these new tyres, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I I don't want to say I'm all for it or I'm all against it. I think qualifying at the moment works very well, unless Ferrari and Mercedes go into the pits early and just leave the red balls out which makes it very anticlimactic but i'm not really sure what to make of this new format i don't know how it will like how it will affect qualifying really
1: yeah i'm i'm not sure what the idea behind it is i don't know if you've heard that but no i haven't trying to figure out what the advantage is because to me the obvious disadvantage is that it will reduce well um are they do you know whether they then start the race on any set of tires they want?
0: I think they can do. I don't think that's I changed. So. I think yeah. it is just each one for the different sessions of quality.
1: So I mean it's not gonna reduce the yeah. So that that's not a disadvantage. It's not gonna reduce the the you know, strategies they can use, although there are one fewer set of tires now. So in that sense, it will. We saw, you know, cars not coming out to do a run uh, in Bahrain because they wanted to save their tyres, which is obviously not what we want to see. It was what caused that an anticlimactic yeah, finish to Q3. I don't know. Uh, I'll wait and see. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm normally of the if it ain't broke, don't fix it uh, opinion. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm very much of that same opinion. Qualifying for me works pretty well right now. It is better in recent years with the cars having closer racing because they do put in closer times. I mean, Sargent and Norris put the exact same time in over the weekend. So hopefully it'll be good. I mean, I'm sure F1 want it to be a positive change and have the drivers on side. So we'll have to wait and see until Imola and then see what the drivers think and what actually happens.
1: One disadvantage I have just thought of, as you were saying that, is that it reduces the chance of a big team getting caught out. You know, sometimes they'll try and, well, OK, they used to try and get through on the medium tyres or whatever because that was your starting tyre for the race. That's not the case anymore. But yeah, I don't know. I think it still reduces the chances uh, if everyone's on hard tyres of, you know, the, tra- ra- the track ramping up in the same way, Um Which, you know, we love a mixed up grid, uh, an organically mixed up grid, not a reverse grid. uh, But yes.
0: Well, as you were just saying now, I just found a statement from the FIA saying that the new format will be done to evaluate the impact of the reduction in tyre allocation on track running with the overall intention to move to more sustainable use of tyres in the future. So it's all to drive forward the sustainability of the sport.
1: And I guess the idea is this way they don't all burn through their soft sets of tyres. This way they make them spread it out. Okay. And it's all just for that one extra set of tyres saved. But hey, you know, every little helps and we're all about saving the world. I mean, who isn't? (laughs) <laughs> on that bombshell, uh, I think we'll have to call it a day. I think we're about out of time and about out of news. But thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. We'll be back soon. But until then, Abby, thank you so much for joining me on your tard. Thank you for
0: having me. It's been a good show, just the two of us. I think, so. I think
1: Sam's been holding us back.
0: Yeah.
1: And <laughs> we didn't even have to draw on your poetry or anything. <laughs> Unless you you wanna you got one to surprise me with?
0: Well, I did have a little something that I came up with after oh. the Bahrain Grand Prix. So, okay. <laughs> right, okay. Bear with me. It's it's okay. It's not like poet laureate level, but here it is. <laughs> The season has begun. The action was to and fro. Red Bull took the honours, but Alonso stole the show. Early signs are ominous. Max driving number one. It's not looking as though he'll just be too and dumb. It's off to Jeddah next. Will anyone knock on Red Bull's door? With 22 races to go, stay tuned with the nerds for more.
1: I mean, clearly the poetry of a published poet (laughs) compared to me and Sam. That's excellent. I really enjoyed that. And you delivered it way better than I did. I think I stumbled (laughs) over two of my lines. So great work. And to quote uh, Anthony Davidson, I think when Jensen Button won his first race, uh, he said, Martin, Brundle, what have you done? Because he'd missed out. Well, Samuel Coop, what have you done? You... (laughs) you went and did your stag and you got ill and then you missed abby's poem at least live i'm sure he will be listening to this later on but thank you so much for that oh,
0: it's
1: okay my uh, my outro line will just have to try and follow that because it is lights out mics off and away we go until next time bye bye you're listening to the cut to the race podcast it's lights out and away we away go, we go. Podcast Network.